Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 33 of UAB Green and Told. Original air date, Monday, November 23rd, 2020. Through this podcast, we are able to share stories from members of the UAB community. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. This week, we welcome Aaron Johnson to Green and Told. There's a good chance you may recognize that name, and with good reason. Aaron's name is littered throughout UAB men's basketball's record book. While he thrived as a blazer, his journey to Birmingham came with struggles. As he will share, that includes an unconventional recruitment process at a time coaches were trying to get in touch with him. One of our houses got foreclosed and then we were evicted from another house. Like it was just a lot going on in that time. So Once at UAB, he became a star. But as he'll explain, his prolific career on the court came crashing to an end. I roll, sit up. And I look at my leg, my leg is facing towards the right. The referee come over and say, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm good. Push up. I said, no, I'm not good. Tell the trainer to come here. But his injury didn't tarnish his name or his place among the school's all-time greats. His career was one that saw his jersey number retired and hoisted to the rafters. I never thought anybody would consider retiring my jersey at any level, not six-year-old, young level, middle school, high school, never. Aaron Johnson is a special talent. At UAB, he made a name for himself, earning Conference USA Player of the Year honors as an undersized point guard for the Blazers. Aaron's story begins when he was five, before all the passes, trays, and wins that would lead to a professional basketball career. It begins as a shadow, a youngster just trying to emulate the skills of his older brother. He's the oldest of my family. He's like four or five years older than me. And I saw him playing and I just fell in love with it. And then uh, I used to always try to follow him around and like go everywhere with him, especially when I knew he was going to play basketball. And uh, just one particular time, my, he never let me go with him, but my, my, uh, my father made him take me. My father and one of his friends made him take me. They, they made uh, him take me. We had just moved around this new area. We go to this park and it's just a bunch of kids in there playing basketball. And they just asked my brother like, yo, he, that's your little brother? He's like, yeah, he's like, he wanna play? He looked at me, I was like, yeah, I'll play. I go out there and I'm just running past everybody, like, <laughs> running, going, to, and everybody's like, man, that kid is fast. Like, who is this kid? Who is this kid? And I was new around that, so nobody knew me. Coach go come up to my brother like, yo, can y'all bring him back every week? And that's a, That was the beginning of it. So at what point did you realize you had a gift to play basketball? I think I was probably, because, you know, in Chicago, basketball is huge. It's like yeah. one of, it's like the biggest thing. So uh, they used to do, like, rankings and stuff like that a lot. At a young age, like 12, 13, 14, they was ranking players. So once I guess once I started to pay attention to people like putting me in rankings and like ranking me like top five point guards and top 20 players, I'm like, whoa, okay, like this may be something. And then I started to get recruited, like from from going to middle school to high school, I'm getting recruited and I'm like, oh, this this is a serious thing. Like people take this serious. So I think that's when like I won't say like I took it serious, but like, cause it was just, it was all fun up in, it, it was all fun even through high, even through college. Like basketball was just fun for me. It was never about like me trying to uh, be, make money from it or, you know, do anything to capitalize off of it. It was just for the love and for the fun. And then like, 
I guess at that point I realized like, okay, people take this serious and it's like stuff built into this. And like, I just started working on my game more and more. What was it about your high school basketball career that you were most proud of? Oh, the three, my three championships. Um, I won um, three regional championships. Uh, I went there just because my big brother went there. Like I wanted to do everything my big brother did. So I, I just went there cause he went there. Um, he, he made a big name for the school. So I'm like, I'm gonna just go there. And like, I recruited my little brother and his friends and you know guys that we knew from around our area and where we lived in. Like we won three set, three uh, regional championships. And like, I guess that was the biggest thing for me. What was the recruiting process like? Cause here you are a 5'8 point guard from Chicago. You're getting knocks on the door, phone calls, all of that. What was that like? It was recruiting. Recruiting process was actually hard for me because coaches couldn't really reach me like too well. Because uh, in high school, it was uh, from I would say from eighth grade to high school, it was a pretty tough time uh, for me and my life and my family because uh, we were just going through financial struggles. You know, uh, one of our houses got foreclosed, and then we were evicted from another house. Like it was just a lot going on in that time. So. Coaches were trying to reach me and they really couldn't reach me. They can only reach my AAU coaches. So even when AAU season stopped, my coaches would come to my high school games and they would just try to keep in contact with me and let me know like, oh, this coach reached out, this coach reached out. So the, it was difficult up until my junior year when I actually, that's when I got a cell phone. I, I think I had a total of like, from getting offers from my freshman to my senior year, like 16 total. So up until my junior year is when it really kind of settled down and I was able to weed out the schools that I didn't want, really want to talk to and stuff like that. So who did you narrow it down to over the course? Obviously UAB was one of them because that's where right. you ended up, but who else was in that, that battle? My top five were probably Arizona State, UAB, uh, Wisconsin Green Bay. Mar Marquette uh, came in a little late in my recruitment and then uh, and Evansville <clears throat> was the last one that I was, I was thinking about, but not really too much. Why did you wind up choosing UAB? What was the sell to come to Birmingham? The, the sell for Birmingham was two things. Because I committed to Birmingham before I came on a visit. So the sell for me was Mike Davis and Coach Tracy Dildy at the time. Uh, Coach Tracy Dildy was a Chicago, is a Chicago legend from Chicago, born and raised in Chicago, went to college in Chicago. And they came on the summer of my senior year. I didn't talk to them until the summer of my senior year. Like, he just let me know right away, I'm gonna take care of you. You, you from Chicago, you from the heart of Chicago. I'm from the heart of Chicago. I'll, I'll, I won't let nothing crazy happen to you. You're gonna, be, you gonna, you gonna, you're gonna be good down here with me. Honestly, Arizona State was number one for me. And man, it was, it was big. Like, they was recruiting me and two other, two other players that play AAU team with. And what attracted me is Jason Gardner was at uh, Arizona at the time. And Jason Gardner was small, he was fast, he was great. And I'm like, I'm going to be like Jason Gardner. I used to always say that, I'm going to be like Jason Gardner. I'm playing a Pac-12, I'm going to be just like Jason Gardner. And when Arizona State called, it's like, oh, this is perfect. And I got an offer, I'm like, this is perfect. Arizona State, Arizona. I actually get on the phone, I, I called my dad. I said, dad, I think I'm going to commit to Arizona State. He said, you sure? I said, yeah, I think I, that's the place. I think that's it. The next day, I see online that Arizona State has just took a commitment from uh, Nate McMillan's son, NBA coach Nate McMillan's son. And it just crushed me, crushed me. 
You have a tremendous work ethic. Where does that come from? Being small, being underrated, being overlooked, realizing that how my height and I wasn't really, I wasn't a skinny kid ever, but I wasn't, you know, a big kid either. And then they just got to a point where like, right, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just outwork everybody. And then the coaches that I played for, they were tough on me. They were always telling me like, if you don't play the hardest you could possibly play, you won't succeed. How did Coach Davis tap into that and make you into a player that could be successful at the D1 level? I gotta say this, he's the best coach I've ever had in my life. Best coach I've ever been around in my life. Greatest motivator I've ever been around in my life. I was like, I always been a point guard. I always been pass first. I always been unselfish. But he made it to a, another level for me. Uh, when school started in August of 07, Coach Tracy Dildy, the assistant who I got me here, had left the summer to go back home to Chicago to take a job. But before then, he had always told me, you're going to be the starting point guard. You're going to be the starting point guard. So him telling me that, I'm like, I'm going to tell this to everybody then, you know? I told the coach, he was like, I'm going to be your starting point guard. And he looked at me like, are you serious? You know who I have on this team? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to be the starter. I'm, I'm going to be the starting point guard. Because they just always say, okay, okay. And from the time I came on this campus, he pushed me so hard and was on me so much. It just made me better and better and better each year. And he said, I want, to, I want it to be tough on you. I want it to be firm on you. I want you to understand the work you had to put in because you told me you was going to be the starting point guard here. So I wanted to make that as difficult as possible to see if you would quit. In the record books, um, I, I think you played 133 games. You started 108. Do you remember that first start that you got and, and what led to that first start? Oh, no question. Like, I remember like it was yesterday. My first start was against Stetson, uh, Stetson University, uh, the second game of the season, my freshman year. We had played Georgia State the first game and I had a great first first game. Great. I had like four points, like like six assists in like 24 minutes. Going into the Stetson game, during the practice, leading up to the practice, Coach Marsh, the head assistant at the time, coming to me and he said, you want to start? And I kind of froze, like, uh, yeah. It's like, like, yeah, I'll start. He's like, he's like, we think we're going to start you the next game. So in practice, I'm like, all right, I got to be, I got to be on point. I got to make sure I'm, I'm learning everything I need to know going into the game. And it, 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 was, it wasn't hard for me to, you know, learn game planning and, you know, personnel and stuff, but I just wanted to make sure that I was on another level with it because it was my first start as a freshman. Getting the game, great, game's going well, running to a screen, boom, shoulder go out. Only play like, I think I might have played like five, six minutes in that game. Shoulder go out, missed the rest of the game. Because you knew you weren't going to be shooting, that has to be just a completely different mindset from going to one to the other. Yeah, for some players, definitely. But for, but for me, I was already unselfish. Like, most players want to get the points, and then once they get a certain number of points, then they'll, they'll go, all right, let me try to get a couple assists now. Me, I was always like, let me get as many assists as I can get. And then once the defense start to say, oh, he ain't doing number passing, okay, now I'll get in attack mode, and I'll start attacking the basket to score. But I never really – I probably shot maybe four shots a game, five shots a game, and – Four of them was layups. I'll probably shoot one three or one jump shot. You know what I mean? Would you rather make the game-winning shot or feed the ball for the game-winning shot? For me, I'd rather feed the ball. Even though you can, you make the play when you take the shot, but 
when you get when you make the play when you break down everything and now everybody collapse on you and you get it out to the next person i don't know for me it's just something better because it's like you made the right play you know what i mean like I, I think they both is the same thing but as long as you make the right play that's all that really matters you guys did tremendously well you won 20 games 22 games or more every year 23 22 25 25 Within that, you also won the first outright CUSA regular season title your junior year. You led the nation in assists your senior year with 7.7 a game. You have so many memories. What is the biggest memory that you take away from UAB? The brotherhood that, uh, that I got with those, those dudes that I went to war with, like, that will forever be something that's, that I, I won't, like, nobody can take away from me. Like, like, that, that's the biggest thing that I really take away from it. During that senior season, um, you played incredibly well. Um, you scored, you passed, you had a complete season. Was it satisfying knowing what you learned from Coach Davis, the pass-first philosophy the first couple of years, to be able to accomplish leading the nation in assists? Now that you, I mean, now that you said it, like, I didn't even really think about it, but you, that's a hundred percent true. Like him instilling that in me early, it helped me later on, you know? And then it really was like, a, it was so fast. Everything happened so fast that season. It was like, yo, hey, you know, you like number five in assists. And they, like somebody told me early and I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, you're like number five in the country right now. And not only was was I on it, but Demetri McCamey, one of my ex AAU teammates, was on it. DJ Cooper, one of my one of my other you know Chicago friends, was on it. I'm like, oh, this is a battle. Like this gonna be a battle to be the number one. And from that point on, when I found out that I was top five, I said I'm not gonna finish the season without being number one. It was unbe- that was unbelievable for real, like for real. Did you have a favorite target to pass to? Robert Vaden, of course, like you could throw him the ball from out of bounds to the long as it's close to the three point line, it's going up and it's going in. Jamar, I would say Robert Vaden and Jamar Sanders, those are my two guys. The end of your senior year, the last career game, didn't really go as planned. You fractured your fibula. Mm-hmm. How bittersweet was that? I mean, you got a chance to end your career, but you didn't get to end it the way you wanted. Leading up to that game, my biggest thing was to get to a thousand points. Now I was I was 14 away before the game, so I was like really pressing, like I gotta get to a thousand, cause it was for me it was something to be to have a thousand points and 600 assists. I know I would be I would be the only player to do this, like the only one. Nobody else would be able to do it. And uh, so I was really pressing that issue, but you know I, I I was thinking about it during the game, but I wasn't really thinking about it. I was still just playing the game and. Like, but that was like a big thing for me to get to that. And of course, winning the game was, you know, big too. Part of me always say, I wish it would have just happened earlier in the game instead of as late in the game as it did. Cause it's like, we're down 19. It's like, why am I still in? But don't take me out coach. You know what I mean? So I didn't even know it was broken either. No, I, I, I didn't know where it was broken. So okay. I walk you, let's walk you through the play. I know I, I like to talk, I'm sorry, Greg, but he come down, I run past him, and then I fall. So I roll a couple of times, and I hear a chili just go, oh, my God. So I'm like, what's, what, what's going on? So I, I roll, sit up, and I look at my leg. My leg is facing towards the right. The referee come over and say, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm good. Push up. I said, no, I'm not good. Tell the trainer to come here. 
He said, AJ, what's wrong? I said, I think my ankle broke. And he like, really? I was like, yeah. So he get the feel of my ankle. He was like, there's nothing wrong right there. I was like, it don't hurt right there. It hurt up here. So I pointed towards the fibula. He pushed it in. It literally like pushed all the way in. So he was like, yeah, you broke your leg. I was just laid back. And the first thing that came to my mind was my career is over. How long of a recovery was it? Because you would go on to play professionally. Mm -hmm. So we did the surgery um, two days after the game. So I had the surgery two days later. I was in a cast. And so that was March. I was in a cast up, in, up until May. May, I started to do rehab with like um, getting my, my toe movements good. So I would like pick up things with my toes like that. And then I started to do like walking on the line, uh, holding something, walking on the line. And then by June, I was cleared to do one-on-one, two-on-two, and three-on-three. Three. By the end of June, I was cleared to just to do running, jogging. And then by July, I was cleared to do sprints. I knew that I was going to have a shot at the NBA. Like, I knew this because we used to have a lot of scouts come to our games. That I, At the time, during the season, my senior year, I really didn't know. Like, I didn't really know. Like, I never really paid attention. But Coach Davis and Coach Marsh used to tell us, like, we got scouts coming to the game tonight, y'all, you know, just to let y'all know, just to give y'all a heads up. June comes, I hire my agent. I got an Italian, Italian guy named Mario Scotty. Who I, man, Mario was like my guy, man, for real. Hire him. He hits me in June, like the middle of June. Uh, Chicago Bulls, Indiana Pacers, Milwaukee Bucks all want to bring you in for a workout. What do you want to do? Mario, I'm just not ready. Like, I don't want to, I know they're going to put me with some top-notch guards and I don't want to go there and, and, and look bad and embarrass myself. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll just go overseas and then I'll come back and try to do it. He said no to that and I just had a career overseas after that. Yeah, and you played all over the place. Uh, Italy, Finland, Romania, Poland. What was the, the best place, the most fun place that you played? Every, every place I, genu I had genuinely, genuine fun at. So the fun part, it was, I, looked, I would say it was everywhere because I had some great dudes, some great foreign teammates, some great American teammates. But the best place was Italy by far, second to none, by far. Like the competition the the food the way to, the way of living the the fan support um the 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 amount of just like gear that they give the team like the cars that they give you the apartments they that they give you it was top notch by far by none the money was on time italy was the competition was top notch like high high level competition how has Aaron Johnson changed from that five-year-old that was trying to play with his brother street ball to UAB to a long foreign career? How has that changed, Aaron Johnson? It took a South Side of Chicago kid to see the world, and it it let me it put in his perspective that that things are bigger than where you are in life. You know what I mean? Like like um. I, had, I was traveling around the states, you know, the U.S. playing basketball. So I, I went to a lot of cities, saw a lot of small, big cities, saw, the, saw you know, U.S. But when I got, when I got on the plane from Chicago to Rome my first year and I got off the plane in Rome and I heard no English, it was mind-blowing to me. And I'm like, yo, I'm really seeing the world right now. Like, like people go their whole life 
in Chicago, where I'm from, people go their whole life without even going to downtown Chicago, going to the Lake, Lake Michigan and seeing that. And I'm here I am in another time zone seeing everything. And like, I will come back home and tell my friends like, guys, man, y'all should come visit me, bro. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up to where my team will pay for your ticket. Just come visit me. Y'all can stay with me, you know, come for a week or come for three days, just see the world. And they be like, yeah, yeah, man, we gonna come. And like, I never was able to bring any of my friends and other. So it just put it in perspective for me that the world's a lot bigger. Uh, you can dream a lot, a lot more. You can, you know, if you work hard enough, like things come true. Like I never saw myself being a professional basketball player, like ever. It started coming to fruition for me when I was a junior and people start to tell me like, yo, you can play pro and it's like, you think, I used to always say, you think so? Like, I'm only 5'7", I'm 5'8". Like, you think I can play pro? And they like, bro, you can play. Like, this will be a, a future thing for you. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep working. Like, I'm just going to keep putting in the work. Stay stay humble. All, like, I never was cocky. I never was arrogant. I hated players that was arrogant. I, I hated cocky players. I hated cockiness. I think you should always be humble. So I just stayed humble and put my head down, did the work in eight years of a, a, a pro was, that was a blessing for me. Like, and then like, I never really wanted to play any longer than 10 years as a pro. So to do eight, it was like, man, that was just the greatest thing for me. Where do you see UAB going uh, as a university in the next 15, 20 years? UAB has changed so much in the eight years. I was, well, yeah, the eight years that I was away, like when I, like every, every summer I came back home and I'm like, wow, this is, this is completely different from when I was just, I was five years out of school. This like is new, it's a new HUC Hill Center. You got new dorm rooms and new buildings being, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. So honestly, speak, let me just speak on UAB in a basketball term. I think UAB is a top 20 job. I think it's a top 20 basketball job. And with the football program being as good as it is now, if once we get the basketball program back to how it, it used to be, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a big boom, and like everybody's gonna want this job. As a junior being recruited to UAB, did you ever think your number would be hoisted to the rafters and retired? I never thought anybody would consider retiring my jersey at any level. Not six year old your level, middle school, high school, never. When the subject start coming up, I'm like, how? I, I always, people will be like, what do you mean how? I'm like, why? Like, I didn't do anything as big as the people, some of the dudes before me. Like, why y'all, why y'all considering me? And they like, hey, look at your record. Look at the, look at the things you did. Look at the, look at the way people like just gravitate to you. And just, it's based off you just playing as hard as you possibly play. It's like, this can't be true. Like, it can't be real. And they're like, hey, this is really going to happen. I asked you where you saw UAB down the road. Where do you see AJ in a decade from now? Uh, AJ, AJ will be one of the best college coaches in 10 years. I'll, I'll say it. I tell my wife that every day. Every day. Every day I go to the gym and I get around the players. I get around the, the coaches. I get around watching film and and studying, like I, I'm a I'm a student of basketball. Like I really study it. I'm not a I'm not a really one of those guys that's a fan. Like I'm really a student of it. Like I don't watch basketball and go 
you know, hooray for dunks and crossovers. You know, I really study like movements and body language and the way they ran a play. Like I'll be watching the game and I'll be like, yo, that's a great play. I wouldn't say that's a great move the way he scored. I would say that's a great play. And I'll think like, maybe I can run that when it's my time. That's Aaron Johnson. AJ earned his bachelor's degree in communication studies from the UAB College of Arts and Sciences in 2011. His name is all over the Blazer record books, still ranking number one in school history for assists in a game, season, and career. He was named to a pair of CUSA all-defensive teams, and in 2011 was the first player in UAB history to be named Conference USA Player of the Year. As one of UAB's all-time greats on the hardwood, Aaron has a great idea of what it means to be a Blazer. For me, it's the, it's the greatest thing ever. Like, like I tell everybody, UAB is my home. Birmingham is my home. Birmingham made me. Birmingham helped me build into the player I am. The, the, the people around the city, you know, all the friends that I've made here in Birmingham, the people that I've met. To be a Blazer is is no greater feeling for me, and it's, it's 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 super super important for me to like establish that and establish that relate those relationships with those dudes just because of what Birmingham did, what I, what UAB did for me. Don't miss an episode of UAB Green and Told. Check us out at alumni.uab.edu/greenandtold, or subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and iTunes. We would love to know what you think, and I would encourage you to leave a written review. If you want to get in touch with us, email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for at UAB alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers.